Hollow Mountain Publishing presents The Night, the third book in the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 6 California Pure Hearts Tyler! Katie called with her thoughts. Yes, ma'am, came the immediate response. Can you come to the plantation home? The California Pure Hearts are here, and I need your help. Katie couldn't keep the frustration from showing in her words. Give me 30 minutes, Tyler responded. Katie sat on the couch, trying to appear as nonchalant as possible. The exhaustion from the night before creeping into her system. She knew she needed to sleep before the big fight, but she was afraid to close her eyes. You don't look so good, David said. She didn't bother answering. David knew exactly why she didn't get any sleep last night. Where is my purse? A shrill scream before the owner of the voice entered the room. Katie leaned her head back onto the couch, closing her eyes. She didn't need to worry about going to sleep with that voice in her ears. Why don't you take the lead, she said to David. Your purses and handbags are in a safe place, David said, in a reasonable voice. Why don't you have a seat, and we can figure out how to get along with each other. If I don't get my purse, I'm leaving this instant, Kat said curtly. How are you going to do that, Katie inserted. Fly? Are you kidnapping us, Kat demanded. Why don't we all have a seat and we can talk? David tried again. I'm calling the police, Kat said irritably. Great. Tell Sheriff Tate I said hi, Katie said, her vision still closed. She opened her eye and saw Kat was actually pushing buttons on her phone and sent the phone to the plane as well. What happened to my phone? Kat screeched. The scream was deafening. Can we all just calm down and have a reasonable conversation? David said. Katie shook her head when it became obvious Kat was about to have a temper tantrum. We have much to discuss, she said in a sing-song voice, imitating Kat earlier. Katie, you're not helping, David pointed out. Kat changed and attacked. Katie didn't move a muscle, knowing David would handle the situation. He changed and pounced on the white wolf. She slowly sat up. Cat was definitely white and beautiful, but small. David's white tiger form was three times larger than the wolf. The white wolf struggled under the weight of the tiger. David didn't have to exert much energy to keep the smaller animal subdued. Are you ready to talk? David said with his thoughts. Katie kept studying the small wolf. Tiger looked in her direction. I need you to help me communicate. Why don't you try speaking with your thoughts, Katie said out loud. That's impossible, Megan said. Katie raised her eyebrows. Can you explain what you mean? It's impossible to communicate between different groups, Megan shrugged. We have been all over the country. We can never communicate with anyone except in our own group. What about other wolves, Katie asked. No, Megan stressed. We have been with other wolves in the states of Oregon, Washington, and Arizona. We can't communicate with them telepathically at all. 
That's why your call the other day was so out of the ordinary. Katie turned back to the small wolf. So this was a fact-finding mission, not to actually help us. Can you tell this cat lard to get off me? Cat asked with her thoughts. That cat lard is the great white tiger, and you will show him the proper respect. Katie shot back with her thoughts. He is not my leader, Cat replied with her thoughts. Katie ignored the comment. Try communicating with your thoughts, she instructed David. Shrugging, Tiger looked at the wolf. My name is David Black. I'm the great white tiger. Oh, yeah, that will work, Katie said with a smirk. The tiger swung his massive head in her direction. I'm trying, he said. Try putting some emotion into your words, Katie instructed. It seems to always help me. Tell this cat to get off me, Cat demanded. The tiger swung his head back towards the wolf. My sister was destined to be the great white tiger, but I could not protect her. Now I have been chosen to take her place. Samantha would have done a much better job. The wolf glanced up. I heard that. David looked down at the wolf. I can hear you. Are we ready to have a meaningful conversation? Katie demanded to everyone in the room. Frankly, I'm tired of wasting time. The moment David got off the wolf, she sprang up, leaving the room. David watched her leave and changed into human form, his clothes automatically appearing on his body while he changed. How did you do that? asked Megan in awe. Katie shook her head. Your education is lacking a great deal. Forrest gave a large harump that was so reminiscent of old Forrest, she knew she wanted to tear his eyes out. David must have noticed because he gave her a warning look. Cat walked back into the room. I need my person phone. The attitude is a little better, Katie said nonchalantly. David gestured for everyone to sit. Can we please sit down and have a reasonable conversation? Cat plopped down, folding her arms mutinously. The other girls followed. Forrest remained standing by the door. First of all, David started, I would like to thank everyone for coming. Such a long way to help us. We are in need of vital information, and we are hoping you can give it to us. Cat would not even look at him. You will show the great white tiger the proper respect, or I will teach you a lesson you will not forget, Katie said privately with her thoughts. What am I supposed to do? Bow down and kiss his feet? Cat demanded out loud. Katie, David said in exasperation. I'm trying to get everyone to calm down so we can all work together. Katie kept her eyes locked on Cat, dipping her head in acknowledgement. Now, David continued, we are about to go into the fight of our lives, and we are hoping you could help us out. You kidnap us and expect us to help you? Cat demanded. The door is right there, Katie shot back. You're welcome to leave any time you want. I need my phone and purse, Cat said again. I'm not giving you either until I get some answers, Katie demanded. So cool it with the attitude. I give you answers to whatever questions you have, and I can have my stuff back? Cat asked. Unless you have illegal crap in your purse, then yes, you can have your stuff back, Katie explained. Fine. What questions do you have? Cat asked. David sighed. When we first met, you indicated that just the five of you could kill hundreds of malice all by yourselves. How can you accomplish this? We are great fighters, Cat said matter-of-factly. It was Katie's turn to sigh. When you attacked, it took less than 30 seconds for David to subdue you. We also have Forrest, Cat said. 
Katie raised her eyebrows facing the older man. What can you do that can kill hundreds of malice? He fought in the Vietnam War, Cat explained. He is an explosive expert. He can make explosives out of common products you can buy at Walmart and a common feed store. What kind of explosives, Katie said warily. Landmines, mostly, Forrest replied. Katie immediately started shaking her head. Wait a minute, David inserted. I thought malice were immune to gunshots. How can a landmine kill them? I'm not sure about gunfire, but explosives can do some serious damage, Forrest said. Forrest pulled a piece of paper from his pocket. I need you to get these items and I can get to work setting up the mines. Katie kept shaking her head. We are not setting up landmines where some common hiker is going to step on it and blow himself up. They are biodegradable, Forrest said, as though he would reassure Katie. I don't like it. Biodegradable always sounds too good to be true. Katie kept shaking her head. These mountains are visited by thousands of people every year. You'll be saving the lives of your people, Forrest explained. I'm not blowing up that valley either, Katie said. When we leave this place, it's going to look exactly the same as when we first entered. You're saying a few trees and shrubs are more important than your people's lives, Forrest said, his voice rising. I'm not blowing up that valley, Katie yelled back. I cannot believe you will be sentencing your people to death because you want to maintain a few trees, Forrest said. That's what it's all about, Forrest, Katie shot back. Maintaining Mother Earth so she doesn't get destroyed. You can always find a reason to destroy this part of the woods or that part of the earth. The cause is just, so it's okay to demolish the beauty around you. The answer is it's never okay to destroy. Ever. Lives are precious, Cat pointed out. That's right, Katie answered back. The lives of the birds, the squirrels, rabbits, and every other creature in that valley are important. So explosives are out of the question, David said resolutely. I can see who's really in charge here, Cat said. David shook his head. I agree with Katie completely. Long after we're gone, that valley will remain as is. Now can I have my phone back? Cat asked. Katie shook her head in annoyance, but she reached for the phone and brought it back in the room. She tossed it to Cat. We still have several questions, David said. Cat shrugged and immediately started texting. Do I need to take the phone away? Katie asked. Cat gave her a long stare and immediately put the phone in her pocket. Ask away. What exactly is the metal ore you have among your belongings? David asked. It is what we use to make our weapons, Cat said nonchalantly. What do you mean, weapons? Katie asked cautiously. You don't expect us to actually fight as an animal, do you? Cat asked in a derogatory tone. Katie clenched her teeth together. I expect to have a normal conversation that does not include judgment and condemnation. Cat gave her a knowing smirk. You have to earn our respect before you get it. Can you explain what weapons you're talking about? David interrupted before Katie could comment. We have extensively studied cave paintings in the area where we live, Megan inserted. We have copied the ancient way of making weapons exactly. The drawings in the caves gave us the exact location to get the ore and then to make the blades the way the first fighters used. How old are these cave paintings? David asked, obviously intrigued. They're hundreds of years old, Megan informed them. What is the reason you brought the ore to us? David asked. You can't expect us to make all your weapons for you, Cat answered. We brought the ore so you can make the weapons yourself. And 
There is an ancient ceremony that has to be done over the blades the night before the full moon, Megan explained. It will make the weapons effective against the malice. The full moon is tomorrow night, Katie said in exasperation. We are supposed to make weapons today and have some ceremony tonight for the fight we're going to have tomorrow night? That is why we kept telling you to hurry. We had a lot of things to discuss, Kat said sarcastically. We have been expecting you to come for weeks, Katie demanded. You are not even going to show up until I called you. She got up from the couch, giving the people in the room a hard stare. You have no intention of helping us out at all. Do you have one of the weapons so I can see it? David asked. I did, but my purse disappeared on me, Kat said sarcastically. Katie pictured all the bags she originally took away and brought them back into the room. She watched each person reach for their own carry-on. When she could see which one Forrest was interested in, she sent it back to the plane. He gave a slight gasp when the luggage he was reaching for disappeared before he could grab it. Not a chance, Katie said with a smirk. He glared at her without commenting. Do you have the weapon in question? David asked. Cat pulled out a crude-looking knife wrapped in rawhide. Katie was not impressed. David gingerly took the weapon, studying it from every angle. How could this cut through a malice? What kind of metal is this, do you know? Katie asked. Silver, Megan answered. David felt the blade. My Bowie hunting knife is sharper than this. Maybe it's the metal that makes their skin weak, Katie said uncertainly. You know, like a silver bullet for werewolves? Do we even know if the malice are bulletproof like us? David asked. Katie looked at Cat. Has anyone just tried shooting a malice to see if they die? Cat shrugged. I followed the old customs exactly. The old legends say this is what works. It always worked in the past. Katie couldn't hide her surprise. I don't know what legends you are talking about, but the legends around here have so many holes in it you can drive a truck through it. David nodded. That's the problem when legends are not written down. Each generation adds or deletes a key component to the story. We have cave drawings that help us with the truth, Megan pointed out. Yeah, well, we have one of those too, and I can't make heads or tails out of it. Except a half moon means malice will attack and many will die, Katie said in exasperation. Tomorrow we have one of those half moons over Lexus. Your cave drawings tell the future? Megan asked, excitement in her voice. Can we get back to teaching you how to make these knives? Kat said dryly. Megan looked embarrassed. I'm sorry, sometimes I get carried away. Katie narrowed her eyes. I would love to show you the drawings anytime you want. She turned to Kat. If you would have come a couple of weeks ago, I might have been willing for you to teach us how to make these knives. We don't have the time to make them, and I'm not sure we need them. You're just going to throw away everything we are willing to teach you? Cat asked. It's not that we don't appreciate your willingness to teach us, David said quickly. I'm sure several hundred years ago, knives made out of metal was a state-of-the-art weapon that helped pure hearts win. Today it's obsolete. He looked at Katie, quietly asking her to help. I don't know what your legends say, Katie tried to explain. Every time the great white tiger tried to help the people, it lost. What it was fighting against had greater numbers, greater fighting power, or it was a disease it didn't understand. What do you mean lost? Cat asked. The great white tiger took shape when the white man's disease devastated the tribes in the area. 
It took shape again when the five civilized tribes were forced to leave their lands and follow the Trail of Tears. And it took shape trying to stop the devastation of the great forest of Appalachia. I don't like being on a losing team, Kat said. That doesn't mean we just give up, David said in his usual positive nature. I don't want to go into a battle using bows and arrows when our opponents are using machine guns, Katie explained. My people have already tried to win that war and lost. I don't want to repeat a past mistake. We also don't know the actual story, David added. We only know the legend, and that does not give us very much information. We think those were the reasons the spirit of the great white tiger manifested itself. We are only guessing. What we know for sure is more people are turning into were-animals than ever before, and we don't know why. We have the largest group, Kat said confidently. We have more than 50 members. David gave her a surprised look before turning towards Katie. I'm not sure I'm willing to trust these people with our numbers, Katie told him privately. I'm positive they're not ready to hear about seekers either. He nodded. What does the word pure heart mean? Megan asked. Katie couldn't help chuckling, watching David try to explain how the name was derived from the Care Bearers, and if not them, who actually gave them the nickname without actually saying Seekers. Katie, Tyler called with his mind. Katie pulled her attention from David's explanation. Tyler, are you coming? Could you come out front of the plantation home? I would like to talk to you in private, Tyler said with his thoughts. Katie jumped up, ignoring the startled glances everyone gave her and headed out the front door. She paused a moment when she saw Justin, Nathan, Joel, and Tyler standing out by Justin's old truck. What's up? she said casually after greeting everyone. We were wondering if you need any help with the California Pure Hearts, Justin said sheepishly. Tyler folded his arms, chuckling. Katie raised her eyebrows. Tyler said, you would like to have his help, and we would like to volunteer our services, Nathan said. Let me see if I understand, Katie said, grinning. Tyler has been bragging to everyone how hot the California Pure Hearts are. You guys want to make sure you make their acquaintance before anyone else can move in. We thought you would understand, Justin said. After all, we just might die tomorrow, Nathan said. We might as well experience some California sunshine before the end. She nodded her head. I would like to know how well they can fight, and we got off on the wrong foot. Let me guess. You did the famous Katie Johnson Guantanamo routine, Tyler said, grinning. What do you mean by that? Katie said, frowning. I know Kat thinks she's the great white wolf, Tyler explained. You never enlightened her, I see, Katie said. Kat can get really aggressive when she wants to be. Tyler said, grinning. I would call it controlling and self-serving, Katie emphasized. There were times I dreamed what her face would look like when she actually saw you in wolf form, Tyler said. You still might get the chance, Katie said. You mean, Tyler trailed off. Nope, Katie said with a laugh. The great white tiger subdued her by sitting on her. She is yet to see me in wolf form. Tyler rubbed his hands together. This is going to be good. You could have given her a heads up, Katie said dryly. Nah, Tyler said dismissively. The California Pure Hearts may be hot, but they are extremely arrogant. I would have liked a heads up, Katie said. And miss the fireworks? 
Tyler said. No way. If this is going to be my last day on Earth, I'm going to enjoy every minute. Katie's cell phone began ringing. After directing the guys to go in and meet the girls, she answered it. Hello, Mom, what's up? She said automatically. There was a pause on the line. Hello, Katie, this is Sheriff Tate. Oh, sorry, Sheriff, my mom is the only one who calls me. Another long pause. I know, he replied. Katie decided not to apologize again. There were only so many times you could say the word. What's up, Sheriff? I was wondering if I could see you, he asked. Katie closed her eyes, pictured the sheriff, and brought him to her. He appeared in front of her and stumbled. He looked around as if he was going to lose the contents of his stomach. He was still holding his cell phone. His eyes got really big when he realized he was in front of the plantation home. What do you need, Sheriff? Katie asked casually. Sheriff closed his eyes a moment before giving her a hard stare. I don't need to see you right this second, he said in exasperation. I need to see you in my office. There are some people I would like you to meet. Oh, sorry, Sheriff. I guess I was getting a little carried away with my new talent, Katie said with a grin. I would like to know how far and how much I can transport. We need to set some boundaries here, Tate said forcefully. You do not experiment on me. Okay, okay, Katie said. Sorry. Damn, she said it again. Tate gave a sigh. I would like to set up an appointment sometime this afternoon. She nodded. How about 1 p.m.? That would be fine, Tate said. I will see you in my office at 1 p.m. Okay, see you then, Katie said. She pictured Sheriff's Tate office and sent him back. Immediately, her phone began ringing. Katie grabbed her phone. Hello, Mom, what's up? This is Sheriff Tate, came the reply. Katie paused. Yes, Sheriff? Do not do that again, he shouted. Uh, okay, Katie said sheepishly. The line went dead. Thank you for listening to The Night, the third book in the Appalachian Storm series. 